Okay, friends, Andy Jenkins here at the Hilltop and back into a new series. For, I think it was probably five weeks, I talked to you about the idea of the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts. And even though that's not the word that we find in the scripture, we did, I think, uh, really draw it out and talk about why that word's probably a good word and see the bigger picture of what God wants to do through me and through you to impact the world and do so at a supernatural level at a capacity that far exceeds what you and I can do on our own. That's really part of the bigger picture there. Now, I want to shift gears. Uh, the last several weeks, I've been traveling a lot. We have at Crosswinds released a new documentary, Trauma Comes Home. I'll talk more about that probably on a future episode. Uh, but as we've done that and taught some of the training for the Warrior Hope curriculum, which empowers uh, members of the military to overcome the hurts of the past, to walk in healing, and then to identify and move into their next mission. As we've done that, which that next mission, by the way, is really finding and fulfilling their purpose. As we've done that, it's really reminded me of the importance of emotional health, of overcoming some of the soul wounds. Now, all throughout the summer of 2023, we've uh, emphasized the post-traumatic stress self-check. Uh, you can find that. I'll put a link down in the show notes to that. Uh, we've given away the Soul Wholeness book, uh, paperback. You pay the shipping and handling. We'll send that to you. I'll put a link down in the show notes as well. There's also what I'm referring to as the best of Soul Wholeness audio. That is uh, some of the uh, audio files, not all of them from the Soul Wholeness book. That book is, oh, maybe 24 chapters long, but the Soul Wholeness audio really takes you down to about the seven core um Maybe, I don't want to call them entry level, but they certainly give you kind of the start of that entire framework. That is an audio that is absolutely free, link down in the show notes as well. Uh, with that, uh, I want to shift into a, a new maybe four or five audio drop series on soul health again. Um, however, I want to maybe take a different angle on it than we, we did earlier in the summer when we talked on this. Today, I want to begin by talking about the importance of pressing pause. You and I are living in a hustle culture where we think that if one is good, two's better. If two's better, three, four, five, or 300 is absolutely the best. We want to accumulate. We want to acquire. It's about followers and looks and likes and leveling up and earning more and hitting a new rank or an accolade or some sort of applause. And in our culture, we have in some sense lost the ability to just press pause. Now, for sure, we waste a lot of time <laughs> scrolling on social media uh, at times when we could be resting, uh, scrolling on social media at times when we could be conversing with other people at the table. I mean, how many times have you been to dinner and you look up across the restaurant and you see four or five people at the table and they're texting people who aren't there? You see couples out on a date and they're both looking at their telephones. We've lost the ability to press pause and to just be present, even if the present is space that in some sense doesn't have 
productivity attached to it. Uh, pressing pause to rest, pressing pause to be present with people. And it's essential for emotional health. In chapter 13 of the Soul Wholeness book, the, the main idea is this. In the same way we pause when we encounter physical pain. So if you break an arm, you're going to stop. If you sprain your ankle, you're suddenly grounded. If you, you get the idea, you, you catch a stomach bug or some other kind of virus, so suddenly you're not going to work, you, you press pause. The reality is we also need to press pause when we experience emotional hurt, when we experience soul wounds. And somehow pressing pause, as we'll see, is a way to keep from walking into more emotional unhurt. But before we get there, really, this requires us to recognize that some wounds and scars aren't visible. They're invisible. Uh, the first film we released at Crosswinds about post-traumatic stress, uh, Invisible Scars. Some hurts you can't see, but even though they remain unseen, they're just as real. L let me set it up this way. Uh, back in high school, <laughs> goodness, that's been, you know, decades ago, I wrestled. Now, wrestling, it's an aggressive sport. It pits one man against another. Uh, now, you know, my boys are wrestling. They're in high school, and women are even doing wrestling. They have uh, a whole other category where some of the gals are wrestling other, other gals. It is a battle of strength, stamina, technique. And even though it's aggressive and fast and quick, very few accidents, very few injuries occur. Now, on the rare instances that they do or did when I was in high school, I remember that wrestling tournaments always stopped. You might have six different mats in the gym all going at the same time, but when someone was injured, it's almost like everyone that was watching that match caught it, and then everyone else really just sensed it, and then it just ripple effect through the whole stadium, gym, auditorium, complex, wherever you were. Everything halted. Bouts on the other mats ceased. Cheerleaders silenced their chants. Conversations in the stands stopped. And this one's big. Most of the competitors, this is symbolic, took a knee. You've seen it. You've seen it at football. You've seen it at some baseball games. You've seen athletes take a knee, waiting with respect and reverence as we pause for the injured person to catch their breath and arise. Now, when I was wrestling, when the wounded athlete, the man in the arena, now it might be the woman or man in the arena, stood, stands, everyone back in the day would cheer. Uh, even the opponent's team and people who didn't know the injured person at all, all of this happened because somebody was physically hurt. And that leads me to an observation. Think about it like this. Question, what if you and I took a knee for emotional wounds too? If someone hurts themselves physically, it's not uncommon to take time off from work or even undergo physical therapy to go to the doctor. In fact, we encourage them to take their time getting well. Recover. We tell them, your body needs to rest. You're worth the take time it takes to heal. Take all the time you need. 
thinking back in my life, just over the past several years, decade, just thinking of some of the examples that I've seen in my life, I realize that I got this one wrong so many times. Still, even today, I can. Um, uh, uh, for instance, uh, decades ago, I did not encourage an ex-spouse to take time to emotionally recover after miscarrying a child. I, I didn't even think about it either time that it occurred. Now I look back in the rearview mirror and think about instances like that and just question, what in the world was I thinking? Now, for sure, there were other times that I, I got it right, like the time I suggested when my family was going through a tough season that we cease all extracurricular activities uh, so that we could rally together as a family and not spend so much time bouncing around and carpooling and shuffling from one thing to the next. Uh, when I went through, in my life personally, a very trying time, I had the opportunity to slow down, to step back, to deal with my soul issues for about 18 months, but that was because I was working from home and I was able to pause. In general though, for the most part, we don't look at people who are emotionally reeling and say, hey, take time out, pause, just rest, recover. We don't even think, hey, look, I'll sit down with you. I'll, I'll just sit here and, and not even try to over-explain or fix or figure it out. I'll just be present with you. Now, over the past maybe six, seven years, it's occurred to me that in the same way we encourage someone with a bodily ailment to seek physical therapy or we cheer someone who doesn't even have a bodily ailment. They just say, hey, you know what? I'm going to the gym now. I, I've got to shed this weight. I've, I've got to lose it. I've hired a trainer. I've joined this program. I'm going to get some things in order. We, we applaud people who pursue other forms of help and health also. This last weekend, I was teaching the Warrior Hope curriculum, certifying some new leaders in the Ohio area to help some of those veterans. And one of the points that we made in that curriculum is that we commend people who take extra classes or people who go back to school to acquire new knowledge, to shore up what they perceive as an intellectual or knowledge deficiency so that they can acquire that skill and acquire that information and be able to do something at a higher level. We do the exact same thing when someone seeks answers to deeper spiritual questions. We affirm them when they set appointments with pastors and spiritual directors. We uh, elevate the idea of people even meeting with financial planners and taking their uh, monetary accounts, their fiscal responsibility seriously. But think about emotional health, internal wounds, invisible scars, do we really pause uh, for ourselves? Do we really pause for other people? Think about when was the last time you heard someone say, hey, I'm, I'm taking charge of my emotional health. I'm going to go meet with a therapist. 
if somebody said that, would you take them seriously? If someone said they're going to therapy, would your first thought be, <laughs> be honest, wow, courageous, do the tough work of the soul, attaboy, or would your thought be, hmm, I wonder what's wrong with that person. You see, like that answer says a, a whole lot. Now, I get it. For years, me, I wanted to run from emotions rather than running towards them. It seemed safer. It seemed easier to avoid them. Yet, the way towards health, comprehensive health, body, soul, spirit, like we discussed in... Uh, an episode earlier in the summer. I'll, I'll link you back to that from here. Just go down to the show notes, and that'll take you to where you want to go. Avoiding some of this seems safer and easier, yet the way towards health and healing is to actually move straight into the emotions, to, as we've talked about before, to recognize them, to be able to read what they're saying to you about what's going on really inside of your heart, and then to learn to respond and navigate forward in a healthy way. I read this great quote several years ago in this book, Heart Made Whole, by a gal, Krista Blacksmith. She says this, the truth is, quote, without a healthy physical heart, right there in your chest, without a healthy physical heart, your body cannot survive and life ceases to exist. The same is true for this metaphysical heart. Sometimes you've got to press pause. You've got to take a knee. Now, I remember I've told some of you the story before. Years ago, I was kind of dialoguing about some of this at the dinner table with a few friends one evening, we were pondering the reality, a couple guys, that we applaud all other types of healing and advancement, except, it seems, emotional healing. And we just tend to push through when we face emotional hurts. Now, I was sitting at the table with a state trooper, a U.S. vet from the war in Iraq, and a first responder, and all of a sudden, we just start talking about uh, in some sense, really, it was it was past traumatic events and how they affected us and how we were responding to those navigating our way forward. So the veteran speaks first. Now, he was, again, in Iraq. He, he said, having people shoot at me in Iraq was nothing. I mean, I've heard the stories. I know the guys who suffered from PTSD because our unit got mortared so many times. So what he was saying was, I mean, I didn't just hear it when I got back about other guys that have been over there. I heard it in real time because I was there with men and that mortar fire that was coming in at us, himself included, it was affecting them deeply. Now, here's where it got interesting. He says, that mortar fire didn't phase me. The thing that set me back the most was getting sexually abused when I was a little boy. We talked about that a little bit, and then the first responder chimed in. He said this, I've had my life threatened as well, but the biggest trauma I faced was when the guy who trained me was killed in the line of duty. He explained, it was my day off when it happened, so I wasn't there with him. I felt guilty about it for years. Survivor's guilt. 
Now, that's what he labeled it, survivor's guilt. I still feel it. That really messed me up, even though I wasn't there to experience it. Maybe if I was there, there's something I could have done. So I should have been there, and I wonder about what would have happened if I had been there a lot. And notice in that, he wasn't worried about his safety or if something had happened to him. If he was there, he was worried about would it have made a difference in that man's life? Like that becomes the biggest traumatic factor for him. It's not the danger for him, but could I have done something that would have saved the boss? And we dialogue a little bit about it. The state trooper then jumps into the conversation. He says this, they always train troopers with a seasoned leader before they send us on our own in a patrol car, they want us to work at least one fatality on the highway with someone who's been there, done it before. So he describes what that situation is like and then tells us that coming up on a scene like that is hard because you never really know what to expect. Then he uh, really details that it it could sometimes take hours to sort through everything, to get the accident cleared, and to do all of the, you now really some of the legalities and the paperwork that you've got to do. And then after you've worked it, you have to drive to the family member's house and let them know that someone in the family has died, suddenly, unexpectedly. Now, remember this one because there was just this pause just it wasn't awkward at all at the table it was just this collective i've never thought about that before and then the reality of driving hours and thinking about what are you going to say when when you get there he finally breaks that silence to me he said Letting someone I didn't even know that someone else I didn't even know died a horrific, unexpected death was the worst. I'm not sure why it affected me like it did. Now, from these men, I put together a common theme about emotional pain. Just something I, I still really sort through is that emotional pain rattles us, yet we all tend to undervalue it once we realize where the wound originated. Each of these guys understood there were issues in their lives that could have been perceived as bigger deals. Uh, the veteran, getting fired at, mortar fire, threat of life every single day, multiple times a day outside the wire, seems to be a bigger deal in that moment than something that happened decades earlier. Um, if you're a state trooper, uh, bigger deal would be some of the things that you face sorting through the accidents, sorting through the chaos, the drug busts, and every other thing, not just showing up on someone's doorstep. If you're the state trooper, um, it seems that that would make sense. If you're the first responder, even the idea of Every other thing that you've been through that you could see that you could come upon and then something happening on your day off that is totally out of your control that in reality you probably could not change. You see, we all see other things in our lives and in other people's lives that could be perceived as a bigger deal. 
Uh, each one of those guys at the table admitted there were bigger things that caused issues for others. They could all look at and did refer to other people, and they could say they had it worse than me. The truth, though, is that we all perceive trauma differently. The things which prove hard for me may seem easy to you. The situation that may send you into an emotional upheaval and make you go topsy-turvy, they might hardly register on my pain scale at all. Emotional hurts and pains, that means they're unique to each person. So rather than undermining how we feel when something heartfelt occurs, whether we caused it or not, or whether it's the result of our own misdeeds or even a sin committed against us, we simply need to learn to pause, to deal with it, and then to press forward the best that we can. Now think about it, like boomerang back, uh, related to physical injuries for a moment, like I began this whole episode with the wrestling mat and the injury at an athletic event. Miriam, when she was little, our youngest girl, she fell from a zip line and she injured her wrist. Um, brothers and even other sisters had fallen from that zip line multiple times. It never affected any of them, but yet suddenly she falls and she's injured when no one else ever had been. When Judah was in the second grade, he tripped and fell on the playground and his arm snapped. It was so loud and such a clean break that people outside heard it. That's how the teacher knew to come. She heard the break before he even started crying. Hundreds of students had tripped and fell on the same playground. No arm breaks. Thousands, and I mean thousands of takedowns and wrestling matches occurred over and over without anyone getting the wind knocked out of them. You see, people respond to physical issues differently. It only makes sense that we would respond to emotional hurts, pains, opportunities for trauma as well. And if that's the case, and if the wounds are unseen, hidden, invisible, it means that only you can communicate how something actually affected you. In other words, you must confront the pain in order to heal it because you are the pain scale. Like when you walk into the doctor's office and they have the frowny face on one end and the smiley face on the other end and they say, hey, on this sliding scale, where are you? Only you can say. Now, I do remember this from the wrestling, and I think this is how all of this comes full circle. Uh, I remember when the injured man got up. Sometimes he had to be helped up. Um, But many times, uh, as soon as he got up, everybody would cheer every time. Many times the guy could actually go back and begin wrestling again. You know, everybody cheered for him regardless, but many times with that boost of everybody just, hey, we're behind you, we see you, we're clapping and cheering, not because you perform, but just because you got up. Many times at that point, it was enough. We're celebrating, and then after resting for a few minutes and catching his breath, the pause. 
the injured athlete was actually able to continue that match with a renewed Viger with a increased stamina and strength and often finished the match with his hand raised. He triumphed. You see, don't miss the fact that sometimes the simple pause was enough. It enabled him to catch his breath, to gather his wits, to face the battle courageously and victoriously. The more laps I make around the sun, the more I see it can be. Not always is, but can be the same way with emotional hurts and pains too. Often, living an intentional rhythm of pause. Okay, so I said at the beginning of this episode, sometimes you got to pause when you're hurt, but then living with the pause and not always being on and not always rushing creates the space where sometimes the hurts don't come as often and they don't last as long. Uh, The pause is the place where the mess of life gets sorted. We're able to not only stand, not only step back onto the mat, but to move forward with renewed strength. You see the, the pause. My prayer for you is that the Lord would bless you, would keep you, be gracious to you, shine his face of favor upon you, that you would pause, catch your breath, remember that you are the skill. Be honest about the hurts that you've seen, even when they seem to be smaller than other things that should have affected you more, or when they seem to be smaller than things that others have seemingly done fine with. Because you don't really know what's going on inside of them, and you can't manage them. You have to manage you. So may you pause And as you pause, may you process it, not to live in it, but process it so you can move forward with a renewed passion to walk into your purpose and to fulfill the plans that God has for you. Grace, peace, I'll see you soon.